Alrighty, Creekcast fam, welcome to the episode for this week. As be, as has been the usual um, the last few weeks, I'm just getting one episode in uh, this week again with everything going on um, in the in the life here at the moment. We had a open house today, so um, I spent yeah, most of the week was getting ready for that uh, because we couldn't get a, we couldn't find a cleaner that was able to come in and do that. So essentially, the getting the house spruced up for, to have people come in and hopefully give us money for it came down to us doing the cleaning and as some of my people might have noticed on the twitter feed this week um the better half heard a knee at soccer training as well which is actually kind of where we went to the doctor um it looks like it's probably just a really 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 bad sprain but she's had a few knee issues the last year or so after she had a pretty reasonably injury-free career with a couple of player of the year awards and all that stuff i'm quite proud of her when it comes to her soccer playing she's quite the talented athlete but yeah injury troubles the last couple of years and knees have been um bad sprains and everything but luckily after a day of barely being able to walk and on the crutches she's kind of found her feet again and luckily it's looking like a sprain so it might have might have avoided that we got a referral for an mri but have avoided uh, i think the need for it um but yeah, all, all that coming in together as I feel like every week I'm just like, man, it's been a shit of a week. But man, <laughs> trying to sell a house is just, um, it's just I don't like it. I know some people get like, you know, the people that flip houses and stuff like that probably just get a rush out of it. But I, I don't enjoy this process at all. I'm just looking forward to when it's done. Um, but yeah, open house today. So it's a few days to settle and let the offers come in. Um, and we're hope, hopeful. Um, the real estate agent was pretty... Um, pretty uh, confident and positive afterwards and gave us a ring and said, oh, we're a great job in getting the house ready and um, people were people liked the look of it and um, a few people took off a sheet. So here's hoping. Anyway, that's been the day, that's been the week. So um, that's why there's one episode again this week. But I'm hoping, uh, maybe this is um, too much optimism, but I'm hoping I might actually get to two episodes next week, like do a review of tomorrow night, tomorrow's game against Frio and then um, and then obviously a preview next week again. But, um, yeah, this is going to be uh, – I'm going to chat a bit about the Suns briefly. The Suns get win last week, which is really – geez, it was stressful, but um, a real real fun one. Um, a little bit about the Prison Bars discourse. It's um, obviously uh, come up again this week as what Adelaide simply just have to say, we would like to wear this Guernsey and the internet and everyone just loses their fucking mind. Um, oh, hey – all I did was put out a tweet about it and then just the mentions for the next day and a half were a bunch of flogs and um, both opposition fans and then some of our own weird fans on the internet um, having a crack. So just weird. So, yeah, we'll talk a bit about the Suns win, a bit about the prison bars discourse, and then obviously I'll end with a brief, brief, you know, five, ten minutes of thoughts on what might happen against Rio tomorrow in another big match, which every match at this point. We're playing finals every week, ladies and gentlemen. That's just the way it is. The way, um, unfortunately, the way we set up a season with going 0 5 in, it's been a pretty good season since like 7 and 2. You can't get, you won't get many better records than that around the league beyond in the top four. It's like, top, you know, a pretty top team standard, but unfortunately, we started 0 5. So every game is a final, um, and that's just the way it is, and that's the way it'll be. But it brings a unique, if, if you just want to look at a glass half full, at least it's just a unique excitement at this point. And that's all you can do is like go, well, What's been and gone is what's been and gone, and we can only look forward to the future and and just put a bright spin on it. But um, yeah, tomorrow night's game has already got me a bit nervous. Tomorrow afternoon's game, twilight again um, for us over here. Although it's, I guess it's um, mid afternoon for over in Perth. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited for this one and um, to chat a bit about uh, what's gone on in the last week. So yeah, let's get into it. And I guess um, being that we won last week in a close match, a tussle, a tight tussle against a. Uh, a pretty good Gold Coast team this year. It's like I said last week in the preview. It's not um, 
It's not your uh, grandparents' Gold Coast, although they've only been around for ten years. It's just it's just not the Gold Coast we knew of uh, in a, when we were when we were in our early twenties. Um, so yeah, we got a win, a close win. So that means we get to play the fucking song. Hey, this that Eastside Johnny Big Redemption life. No time about. Hold up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Get out the way, get out the way, get out the way, yeah. yeah get out the way, get the fuck up on my way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You either with me or against me, ho. You either with me or win, 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 win. Yeah. Fuck everything else. Win, 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 win. Alrighty, what a big win that one was. Um, to get. To win tight games, it's been one of those years that we've, um, I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago last year, I think we were like 5-0, and 5-1 and in games decided by 12 points or less. So we had a really good record of um, holding out in the in the tight um, within a goal or two games last year. Whereas this year, you know, especially, I mean, we saw the start of the year, we lost the lost the showdown in a close one. Um, we, you know, the Carlton game and a few others. We were just getting... Um, <laughs> there was a fair bit of bad luck. You know, you make your own luck, and that's part of what the start of the season was. Was like, I don't know if it was mental fragility, um, and even sometimes it's not meant to like a, a conscious mental fragility. It's just subconscious, and whether there was something still um, hanging around from you know the prelim final last year, I don't know. You know I'm not going to get on here and diagnose the mental issues, the mental uh, issues that might have led to some of the late game collapses, collapses that we saw at the start of the year. But um, you know, it's just what it was. But um, this game, you know, as we've seen this team, as we, once we've started getting the wins on the board, we've started to see a little bit more um, toughness. And obviously, you know, after those shit conditions in Cairns, we got a really close win. Um, and then this one, again, um, just fought it out. And what was a really entertaining game, actually? I watched, I was watching at work, um, which is um, a test within itself to try to um, watch a game like that while remaining somewhat stoic in <laughs> trying to do your job. Um but yeah, it was a really entertaining game. You know, we we got off to a fast start, which was um a good, you know, a great thing to start off with. Yeah, guys like Dersman getting on the scoreboard early, which is good for his confidence. He's starting to look a little bit more like the the Zave that we've known and loved over the last few years. Um, starting to get a little bit of confidence back, um, and just a little bit more um, uh, I guess stamina for the game and a little bit more reading of the game. I don't know if it was com- it was it seemed to be a mixture of confidence and just not knowing exactly where his place was in the side and whether it's um. Um, just finding his place again is just, I, I don't know what it is, but um, sometimes it's just footy as you go through ebbs and flows with form. Um, you know, the Carnival will be, I guess, Travis Spoke, <laughs> who's just ever, ever ready and you know, likes volley wines, it, especially in players in those positions. You know, the guys that get it in and around the ball in the midfield, you know, they're always just, you can play through and just collect the disposals um, pretty well. But sometimes when you're a little bit more an outside runner and stuff like that, or you know, wings, high half forwards and stuff like that. If the game's not coming to you, it can be quite hard to get to get the ball. But so, you know, Dersma's been maybe a little bit stuck and then in and out of side injuries at the start of the year, all that stuff. But, you know, him getting on the board early was really good to see and you kind of just see, can um, see that just um, he's getting a little bit of, uh, uh, just a little bit of run back into his game, which is good. So, you know, long may it continue. Um, and a, a big week for him this week, um, obviously seeing... Um, his sister drafted to the Port Adelaide women's side as our side got completed there. I'm going to do try to do a, um, a podcast about um, our women's side and start doing a little bit more uh, podcasting regarding just them, you know, like having get their episodes um, 
So, yeah, but um, a really good week for um, Zave. And just early on, it was just we've oh, man. I felt like it felt like we had a real good amount of momentum early. Um, I was making notes as I was watching the replay as well, just to see where we were at score wise because we were um, with eight fifty to go. I've got to go in my notes. Eight fifty to go. Um, we were twenty to nothing, um, and then. Even with under four minutes to go in the um, quarter, we were thirty-three-seven. Um, so we're up by up by twenty-six points. They only kicked one goal, one, and that was under four minutes to go. And then at the end of the quarter, it was thirty-four to sixteen. So they've in that time since kicked one goal, three to end the quarter, and really had a good. Uh, they kind of put some pressure on and gave us a sign there that they were starting to probably find a little bit more of the footy, and we might um, we might have a game on our hands. Uh, and that was probably the little bit of the disappointment. Just to cap off the talking about the first quarter, though, um, you know, the, the we were really hunting and gathering, and, and our pressure was good. And it's not like our pressure actually dropped. I think, uh, you know, Gold Coast more just matched our pressure. Um, it earlier, you know, once they got into the game, it was more, it wasn't so much about us dropping. There was a slight, I think we just dropped off in the last few minutes of the quarter and let them back in there a little bit, but they did up their pressure as well. Um, but yeah, it was a really good signs early. Like, you know, you've got um, Charlie Dixon kind of just um, doing what he does and drawing the players to him. And yeah, I think, I think it was um, the, the, the handoff to uh, Farrell for his goal. You see what Charlie Dixon does in as a forward. Um, that's uh, it's a frustrating thing that he doesn't get, he doesn't kick bags more often, but what he does is he attracts, and I think it was that star, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, I think it might have been last year, like the amount of, like his contested marks, the amount of contested marks he takes, like he, just insane numbers of, and the, the double team, the two-on-ones, the double teams, all that stuff that teams do to him to try to negate his influence, it's just how strong of a leader and a marker he can be um, and what he does in the forward line. Um, and you just saw it in this situation where, um, you know, he was kind of getting swarmed by the Gold Coast defense and, he allows, um, you know, the he allows the kind of forward line to open up because players kind of, you know, can feed off the sc- the scraps of it, and and he does really, he knows that as well. And in this that situation, where Farrell kicks that nice goal. Um, he, you know, he just is able to get the ball out and uh, understands that he's kind of drawn the defense, and you know, Farrell's able to get a clear run on it. Um, Jonas as well, just oh man, Jonas is like having a really good run of form lately. Uh, kind of just the the straw that stirs the drink in that back line. Um, you know, I know Aaliyah was an All Australian last year, but he hasn't been quite at that form. Um, and maybe teams have kind of just figured out how to get around his defense a little bit more. Well, he's still integral to it. Like it is, they work as a unit so well. Um, but Jonas is just his energy and the kind like as he did that. Yeah, that tackle last week and was it Haywood? I can't think against Sydney where like that he played on and just Jonas stuck with the play and, and saved a goal against at the time. And then this one, he just he just continues running and it's kind of it's, it's little acts like this, little one percenters like that strip on Ben Ainsworth. Um, it's just these little one percenters and stuff like that in the in the defense that really just sets the tone. And you kind of see he's trying he's doing this lead by example thing. It's like, this is the kind of desperation, the kind of footy. And the kind of stuff that we're going to need to be doing, we're sacrificing everything, putting the body on the line, um, you know, no, nothing left in the tank. It's it's creed shit, you know. It's it's like if you've 
if you can, um, if all human endeavor has been, um, you know, laid out to bear, and you have, and you've done everything you can, then you can hold your head on, and um, and know that you've done the done the jump of proud, regardless of result. And Tom Jonas is doing that kind of stuff the last few weeks. He's been in, he's absolutely one of the best players on the field, Un, unsung hero stuff often, but um, he's really leading the line back there so well, and um, and doing doing all the things that kind of um, that you want to see out of a Port Adelaide player, out of a Port Adelaide captain. And um and what the kind of things that are going to take take us to win games, you know. So those little things, uh, one, um, you know, can it can stick that grain in 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 the in the opposition mind. <laughs> you know, Jonas is hunting, he's out here, he's in, he's kind of in that zone. And then it's just it's just those things that are going to save goals here and there. And it's and it's so, uh, it's just so you know, so many players you see in the AFL like when a player just gets clear sometimes they just they drop that and you just they drop that drop back off and just let the goal happen and often you know it's, it's more or less sometimes it's going to happen but you know Jonas like that Haywood one last week this I hope it was Haywood because I just that's who I keep saying again the Sydney one but you know nine, 99 times out of 100 there's just going to be a goal but Jonas stuck with it and saved the goal there and and you know, while the game ended up being a relatively comfortable win, every 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 little moment could be a game changer or a, you know sliding doors moment as to how the game's going to go. So, yeah, Jonas gets um, a fair few um, votes, underrated votes um, for his role. He's absolutely the best players the last few weeks, and and really just coming into form at the right time of the year as we go into this every game of the year being a final. Um, yeah, and Lockie Jones, man, this is what this is the Lockie Jones that we've all been excited to see um, in this the Suns game. Uh, Lockie Jones, you know, when he got drafted, he was we were all really excited because of the player he was. You know, he's he's you know <laughs> it's the whole it's the bad boys two thing. It's like motherfucker, you're at least thirty, like getting drafted at eighteen and looking looking like the man he is. But um, you know, he had injury troubles last year and just couldn't get a consistent run out of it. We saw some signs as to like, and you know, even the, the sand fullback like playing for the Eagles in that year, he was playing senior footy and, and bumping and grinding well amongst the best of them. You know, there's, there's that video or that audio out there of the fact that he um, watches the uh, Byron Pickett highlights with it. Here comes the boom um, playing in the background to get pumped up for games. Like, this is the kind of bloke we just love running around at Port Adelaide Jumper. Just... Un, um, unapolo- unapologetic for who, like the kind of player he is, and 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 doesn't he's it's not like he's an unfair player either. He just he brings the the biff a little bit, and it's a little bit old school footy in him. And um, you can kind of see, and I really enjoyed his role, like playing in that like half forward kind of in around the ball up the up forward a bit. You know, he got his goal um, on the day. Uh, got the Rising Star uh, nomination for the week, which, you know, he's, he's not winning the Rising Star this year, but it's just a good recognition. You know, getting a Rising Star nomination is a good recognition of your early career and being noticed as a player of of note, um, as a young player that has something to give to the game um, and is given it early. And, you know, this game was just... He was just in amongst it. He was putting pressure on the ball carriers. He was he was just... And, and just uh, even just laying those, like, those defensive forward 50 like when the balls when they're trying to bring the ball out and you kind of got this wall and Lockie Jones is the one getting in amongst it and 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 kind of making it tough for the Suns to get out and then obviously um actually some really good um you know skills by foot and hand uh in creating goals as well so he's just he's kind of you can kind of see that role while they've played him off you know, he's played off halfback a little bit as well, but you can kind of see there's a role for him um, in, in different places on the field and just his, his kind of skill set and his body 
uh, and what he can do. It's actually, you know, I'm really excited for this game. Kind of just, it was just an awakening of Lockie Jones a little bit. And it's not like he hasn't actually played some decent footy in all the games he's played so far. It's just actually finding, like I said about um, uh, about you know players that are, you know outside runners and stuff like that. Sometimes the game just goes past you, depending on the game the kind of kind of is. Uh, Lockie Jones has just had those games where he's he's getting a bit of the ball and and but it's not it's kind of not going through him. Whereas this game, he kind of took it on and made the game go through him a bit and and to the to the. Uh, uh, betterment of both his game as well as ours. You know, he was an integral part of this win against the Sun. So, you know, just really impressed with what he what he brought to the game. Um, but yeah, it became a uh, it became a um, you know a to and fro kind of game. You know, and that's a, that was a little bit frustrating. It's like you know, from we were we were up thirty three to seven under four minutes to go in the first quarter. By thirteen twenty to go twenty two to go in the second quarter, they they they've gotten themselves two points ahead. They've basically kicked, um, you know, uh, twenty nine points to one in that span. So it's it's just it's again, but the, we've seen this a lot in footy this year actually, and even today, uh, the Sydney Essendon game was a game of runs. And like last night, I think Carlton Carlton St Kilda, there's a few runs where you know one team would kick three goals and then the next one would kick four in a row. And it, it's whether it's the um, you know the the the, the, the um, set of six kind of stuff or what it is, but it's just teams are getting runs. I don't know, um, but. It's that's footy. It's going to happen. Um, but we, from that point, it was just back and forth, back and forth, and what it, whatever it was. Um, but uh, I was really impressed with the fact that we did kind of scrap in this game. Gold Coast are a team that are desperate for wins like this. They're desperate for this. Was could have been that they haven't won on the decade at Adelaide Oval yet. This was very much looking like they could get their first win at Adelaide Oval and kind of continue ticking off some of these boxes that they're doing this year and in playing a lot better footy and getting themselves. And, you know, this was a game where, where both teams were looking to try to keep themselves in finals contention, even if they're on the outside looking in. And, and the Gold Coast are a team that um, are more, you know, uh, some of those players that have been there for a long time and the, some of the ones that are kind of the key core there. Um, and obviously, Jew as coach as well. And, uh, we, we love Stewie, but, um, yeah, like they're a team that's desperate for these kind of benchmarks to be met and um we and we we matched that desperation and i was really impressed with that um uh the one thing that i'm really continually impressed with as well again todd marshall we don't need to say much he's just dead eyed dick he's unbelievably kicking goals from all over whether no matter where it is in the 50 meter arc he's just he's just in this this vein of form that long may it continue i it's just it's it's constantly baffling to me it's just how consistently good and it's I love it when a forward gets to the point that you're just surprised when they miss the you know the easy ones in you know quotations because you know a kick I guess kicks are you know you know what I mean the, the easy ones but you know to me no kicks easy <laughs> but um but you know he's just whether no matter where it is in the fifty meter arc he's just he's he's kicking them from all over the place and um and what I've been really impressed with over the past few weeks um is just that he's starting to kick bags against better teams you know earlier in the year he got the five against Adelaide and five against West Coast but he's just continually getting two or three or four at least um every game like and and getting shots on goal and he's just he's just a he's created another dynamic in the forward line that you not only is it Dixon you have to watch out for but you know Marshall if he's getting space and on the lead um he's getting he's finding ways to take marks in positions where he's kicking goals and um, just an amazing year from Todd, and, and a real uh, a real boon to the season. That it has been frustrating at times that 
we've actually discovered the the potential, the true potential, and unlocked it of Todd Marshall. And and really, I'm not sure what the I'm not sure what list management was thinking at the start of the year as to how this year was going to go with our forwards. But um, I don't know. I guess probably behind the scenes, players were seeing, you know, the team was seeing how good Marshall was setting up for the year as form but even in the first few weeks he didn't get too much of it but he's exploded um since the showdown really and um not dropped off too much since and um yeah amazing most accurate player in the competition with um i think he's top 30 top 30 goal kickers with you know a certain number of shots he's the most accurate by far i think so incredible stuff but um a game that uh you know the, the game was tight and um really impressed with how we battled it out i you know, we we you know we were up by. Um, I still would have liked to have seen it because it was it's scrappy stuff again that leads them to the goal that gets them back within, you know, a couple of couple of points and um and you know we have to battle out. But from then, I we probably got a little lucky with um I think it was it was it Charlie Ballard that probably took a took a bit too much time off the clock um setting up the goal where he probably wasn't really a chance until I think he realised he should probably take the take um you know just put it up to the top of the square. Um, late on there, um, but I, I, I can't believe the, the Willem Drew, like the deliberate out of bounds stuff. Like I know we didn't get called for it this time, so it's it's good stuff. I don't even care. Like if if you look, if Willem Drew goes, look, I was handballing in their direction, knowing the line was there. Also, that's still not deliberate. Like he knows that he's handballing in the direction of it was a boke and a couple. There's two players that are in the direction that could have actually received the handball if it was slightly better executed. It was smack bang between the players and the and the boundary line to me that's not deliberate you've got to like deliberate i mean it feels like suddenly that we're actually um hurtling towards last touch rule or something like that which i'm not exactly sure how they'll implement in the afl but you know it, it's it's worked around right the snfl so whatever but it just feels like we're man the deliberate thing is just so mismanaged since it's come in you know the players that you know hack the ball forward you know, forty yards for touch. Um, that are probably hoping that it goes out, but does, and you know, so that's called that's fifty percent of the time would be called. It just depends on the umpire's discretion, I guess. And then you get something like that where it's under pressure, and and the players actually handballed it in the general direction of um of players in the vicinity, and it's just and they still and still people are wondering if it's deliberate, and it's just like oh god, glad that someone on the call um when I was watching the replay said oh, I'm glad I'm glad that one wasn't given. It's kind of spirit of the game stuff a little bit too, isn't it? You just umpires got to have that feel for the game. Yes, you've got to make the right decision, but some not when it's decisions like that. You know, holding the, certain things, certain rules are very cut and dry. But the deliberate thing, unless it's absolutely like if he'd hand, looked at the line, and hand, handled it straight up, obviously. But he's actually looking to his left. He's under pressure. He's handled it and kind of hooked the handle to try to keep it going towards the player somewhat. It's just like I don't know. I don't know why that was even, you know, people are calling it controversial. To me, that just wasn't controversial at all. Um, and I'd love to hear anyone's thoughts if you, you know, if you listen to this and want to say if you agree or disagree, tweet at us or whatever. It's just, it, just to me, there wasn't anything really to answer for there. So, yeah. Anyway, really impressed with the win. Um, a lot of indicators in the stats that kind of show that, you know, when we're operating at a certain level, um, you know, the disposal efficiency, again, we're at 75%. We've been pretty consistently at 75% every win we've had. And for the year, we're operating at 73 now. So we're slowly just, we're just getting better. We're just getting better by hand and foot and um, and giving ourselves every a chance of winning by just being cleaner with the ball. Um, 
The one major really, I'm not going to get too much into it, but you know, contested possession, we won. It was pretty even. We won just, um, which is something we've we've struggled to win in the contest, and um, certainly. Uh, Gold Coast across the year have been a slightly better contested footy team than us. Um, actually, pretty decently better contested footy team than us. And kind of everywhere they're winning some of the games, but we um, we just won. We won the contested footy, so that's good. Um, otherwise, uh, just really impressed with what we're doing. Um, I mean, not I'm not impressed with the situation with the ruck. Um, you know, it'd be better to have. You know, it just sucks that Printeagle comes in and. Um, Gets injured straight away, but, uh, you know, hit outs. We got dominated, and Wits was really threatening to take over the game at one point. But we kind of we kind of just, um, you know, once he, he had a little spell on the sidelines and after he came back on, he was still dominating pretty well. But just we kind of worked out how to get our hands on the ball around the, around the stoppage, um, even if we were having to feed off of what Wits was doing. And so, I mean, we got do- he doubled us in the hit outs, basically. But um, clearances, we, we was it was a very even battle that we won by one clearance. So... You know, the center clearance and out of the stoppage, we just kind of were able to get our hands on it and um, negate the influence of Wits and his dominance in the ruck somewhat. And, um, you know, Dixon and, and Finlayson and Co are doing an okay job of, and they're going to have to do it again tomorrow against Frio. Um, so, yeah, just a really impressive win. I'm just, that kind of, th- those kind of wins are, um, you know, you, you love them when you're on the right side of them, you hate them when you're on the wrong side. Um, you know, I'd always rather we just win by 10 goals and don't have to worry about the stress, but, you know, entertaining in hindsight as well. So it is what it is in that sense. And especially uh, winning against a, a side that is in a similar, you know, this, as far as our positions on the ladder, a team with a fair bit of desperation to win and get kind of one of those markers off the board. Like I said, they're kind of trying to break out of this Gold Coast malaise that has been their existence so far. And um, for us to kind of battle against that and and keep you know when they a few times where they tried to threaten to take over the game for us to hit back and keep hitting back and make sure we've got our noses in front at the end um, and battle it out is really impressive and a good sign again going forward whether this kind of stuff is going to be enough at the end of the year because of the start we gave ourselves and really handicapped ourselves at the start of the year who knows but there's still um, you know you've got to take it in isolation when you're just talking about the game and just say yes that's impressive. Um, good signs there and um, and and just take it and enjoy it so yeah i enjoyed it um and I, I think a lot of people did too it's um you know you love being on the right side of those ones so good stuff all right quick break and then we'll uh, get into some just prison bar discourse for a few minutes all righty so the prison bars right like <laughs> i was gonna say the prison bars read there like their head this week but really it wasn't Port, Port don't do anything wrong and these they just say look you know the announcement comes out that uh I think I think John Ralph reported this this time around he reported it first maybe um this is the source I kept on seeing anyway I haven't looked too much into it it's just busy week again like I said but um you know Port have requested again put the requ- official request in to where the prison bars the beautiful pylons um in our showdown you know simple request um and straight away and you just have to even <clears throat> all you have to do is just put out a positive tweet about it no, nothing nothing all, all i you know all i said was like the time for the AFL to do what's right and that's where these beautiful bars and you get the trolls coming in there and saying oh don't let them win it wear that and whatever and oh jesus it's just it's trolls it, it is trolls and stuff but there is and this is kind of my point that I've been really frustrated with over probably the last few years um, with the prison bar push. 
and I, I'm going to liken it to you know people be like don't get political, but you know I liken it to um, kind of Trump era politics. In what we saw with the likes of you know Donald Trump politics coming into you know into the political discourse and spectrum and whatever is what we've seen from the trial. So let me backtrack for a second here. What I hate about the prison bar discourse is yeah, you get the trolls saying all these things about agreements and you know what the you know Collingwood having the right to wear these things and whatnot and all that stuff. Yeah, it's like they're just trolls. But then what we what really annoys me um, is we've also had the likes of and this is Adelaide thing. You have the guys like Stephen Rowe on the radio that um, you know say, oh, they're, they're you know Port Adelaide, they they separate they 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 feed into that mindset of separating the Port Adelaide of the SNFL uh, from the Port Adelaide of the AFL. Not recognizing that the official thing that happened and the what happened was Port Adelaide, as the club since 1870 entered the AFL as that club, and now they had to change, they had to add colours and change name and stuff like that to enter the AFL and not you know they couldn't come in and be the mag you know the magpies, but that's whatever you know that's fine we accepted that. Um, it's Stephen Ross, Graham Corns writes these pieces about um, why Port Adelaide shouldn't be allowed to, or maybe we'll let them wear it in theirs, but don't let them wear it in our home showdown, which I'm always. And they and they these guys always feed off of that stuff about separating the club, the club's achievements in the SNFL from the club that's in the AFL, and kind of kind of feed into that idea that they're separate clubs, and that they're separate histories, and that they don't have anything to do with each other. And what I liken this to what I brought up Trump was is what these guys are doing is emboldening the trolls and the and the idiots that are on the in the media because when you have voices like the 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 uh, you know the Adelaide media and whatever that feed into this idea that Port Adelaide should be you know thankful for the chances they've been given and and thankful for their opportunity and their fair AFL and they shouldn't kick up a fuss and stuff like that so they feed into this idea that um we are at the mercy of the AFL and the mercy of the BFL and the mercy of Collingwood and we should just be thankful for what we've got and not push for our history, which is making it essentially second-class citizen kind of stuff in the AFL when we as a club in the AFL, a member of the AFL, a member of the 18-team AFL, we ha- should have equal rights to be at least be able to acknowledge our history. Yes, I know we're not going to. And I love our, our primary Guernsey as well. Like, this is the thing. All these trolls get on there as well and they go, and, and some of these, again, these media voices go, what's wrong with their current jumper? It's like, there's nothing wrong. None of us are complaining about our current jumper. We just simply want to wear the prison bars a couple of times a year, enjoy what is an iconic Guernsey um, on the on the national stage and celebrate the history. And this is the thing, the, the Guernsey is so intrinsically linked to our community, the pylons, you know, the, the Guernsey design itself is so so much part of the community. It's a design based off of something that is iconic of the wharfs down at Port Adelaide. You know, not many Guernseys actually have a design that's so intrinsically linked to the community like that. And it's actually such a unique part of history and it's something that the AFL should celebrate and say, this is so cool. Like, this club is celebrating and this is like, this is sports back to the root of sports is, um, it's about community, it's about club. Sporting community clubs at the core of the, the history of sports is, clubs were about their communities and and it just sucks that we the sports has become so commercialized in the way it is and we yeah we all enjoy the modern trappings of um, sport and how easy it is to access and it's there's a community and a culture around it but we shouldn't lose the history and the and the and the 
culture and the community that comes with it. And and that's all Port Adelaide asking to wear the prison bars is, is a, a chance to celebrate and be proud of the history on the national stage at a regular level. You know, the showdown such a, is a game watched um, by neutral fans around the country when they get the chance because it's just in a great a great rivalry. And if we're wearing that jumper, people are going to, once they get over the fact we're wearing the jumper and, and, and actually do some research, they'll find some really cool history about the Port Adelaide Footy Club that um, that they hopefully can just enjoy and not and realise that trolling about it wasn't worth it. But this is what's been so annoying about the discourse and all the people that jump into my mentions is they get so they've been emboldened by voices that the actual legitimate voices in the media and whether it be South Australia or the country we Eddie McGuire is such a part of this as well as they speak down about Port Adelaide um, and our history and you know Eddie's Eddie throwing out all these barbs about the different t- different Guernseys we've worn over the years and um, you know Graham Corns uses the term identity identity crisis and they embolden and legitimize the trolls because they so they hear Graham Horn say that and they go, oh, well, that's, it's okay for me to think that too and be a dickhead about it. And that's why I brought up the Trump thing is what Trump did was embolden, you know, right-wing fascist dickheads um, that were in the wings. So they're, they're always there. But when you have a voice come out that's such as the president of, of, a, of a, the United States come out and say, you know, there's good people on both sides at Charlottesville or something like that, then it emboldens the people that think that way to actually feel like they can come out of the come out of their, you know, redneck woods and and say what they feel and 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 attack people more and that's obviously a, that situation and all that stuff is a lot worse in the sense of humanity and society. Obviously, I'm not comparing them as apples and apples. I'm just comparing the idea of people, prominent people, need to, you know, and sports media is such a shit show. These days, there's good voices. There's so many good voices out there, but they're drowned out by dickhead voices that have opinion article, that have opinion pieces in the papers and stuff like that. I like your Graham Corns and Co. I'm going to always just hit on Graham Corns about this because I think he's just so he's such a, he can be such a great voice. You know, he's he's you know conversations with Cornsy stuff can have some really great interviews. He's interviewed likes of Russell Ebert and stuff like that. And then when great Port Adelaide greats of the past you know pass away, Graham Corns will put really nice words up on the you know, on Twitter about it. But then at the same time, he'll absolutely diminish our history and their club on the national stage by saying, you know, things like identity crisis and we and and kind of push back on our on our simple desire to wear the Guernsey a couple of times a year and embolden the voices that get on the internet and and trash and put out the and and then you have so many people just parroting the same shit and it is just just like watching right wing Twitter. Um, or Marga Twitter again, they just parrot the same shit, and it's just like you guys are just copy and pasting from each other and acting like it's an original thought. And yeah, it's just trolls and stuff like that. But it is frustrating because there's so much of that on, on, so much of that discourse out there at the moment that it is um, is getting away from you know as fan, footy fans, we should want to see the celebrate. Like I love seeing Sydney wear their their blood Guernsey and and celebrate their South Melbourne heritage, and you know seeing. Brisbane, where the Fitzroy Guernsey is really good because, uh, you know, the merge stuff and all that is still... But I, I remember watching Fitzroy as a kid. Um, unfortunately, I remember their 96 year when their last year in the um, AFL when they got just spanked every week. But I still remember seeing that Guernsey and Fitzroy has such a wonderful history in the AFL and it doesn't deserve to be lost. So when they wear that... When Brisbane wears that Fitzroy Guernsey... Um, it makes you think about Fitzroy and think about that history uh, of their that club and what they've lost 
what was lost to the AFL world uh, when they were lost, the VFL world as well, that, that history. And, you know, when Port Adelaide, as a club, their, their highest part of their... Port Adelaide's club has been around for 152 years. Their highest rate of, you know, they're playing at the highest level in the AFL now, but their their identity is so much a part of it. You know, and this is the thing. There's no identity crisis. We added, you know, clubs evolve as well. This is the stupid thing. Clubs evolve. You know, colors get added when you need to. But you can still, you can wear a guernsey with just two of the colors. Black and white are part of our colors. So when people go, oh, black and white aren't your colors. They are owned by Collingwood. I'm like, well, the official AFL... Um, you know, whatever the official AFL documents are, black and white are part of the colours. So people, that's, that's also wrong. It's also two other colours. But, um, you know, Frio don't wear green in their Guernseys that much anymore, even though they came into the AFL with that. So it's just, it's kind of like, it's all this just stupid arguments for stupid arguments sake that people put out there. Just And I, someone on Twitter, I think it was Aaron, and Aaron, and I retweeted it, I said this is, <laughs> he said it boils, most of the discourse just boils down to, they want it and we don't want them to have it, so we're going to be dick it. Like, we're going to say no. Like, that's what most of the people on Twitter, they just don't like Port Adelaide, so they just don't want us to have the thing that we want. And that's just part of it. And that's just that's just Twitter and sport and sports, stupid sports fandom these days is when another team wants something and you, you're a fan of another team and you want to be a dickhead about it, you can, and, and you do. And that's what part of it and why I'm talking about it. You know, it's kind of, maybe I'm just playing myself here because I'm complaining. But it's just it's just something to keep an eye on is just, it is so fr- – and that's probably my main point about it is I've seen these voices, these prominent media voices buy into this stuff and they know that it's wrong. You know, I have a weird weird level of – the corns, Graham Corns is someone that I despise and then respect at different times because sometimes he, I've I've had Twitter spats with him and it's just – I was just like – you. You're so wrong here when you can be so right at other times when you give plaudits and talk about South Australian football history. When you take away your um, rivalry with Port Adelaide, you can be so eloquent and great about South Australian football history, but then he just absolutely shits on it with something like this. So that's just part of his own hatred and deep hatred for Port Adelaide and, and, you know, whether he's still got um, something rattling around his head from Granger knocking knocking him down 40 years ago, I don't know. But anyway, it's just a frustrating thing that... um, the discourse has not been helped by these media voices, and that's that's the thing. Is if we just had a un- like you didn't have that in there, it would just be such a stronger case. And most of the most of the footy world is really good about it, but it's just those few voices in the South Australian media that kind of embolden the uh, the case. They don't embolden the case; they just embolden the, the shitty discourse about it. So, yeah. Anyway, let's hope the prison bars are approved this year. I I just don't I just until it happens at this point, I'm just gonna I'm just prepared to keep fighting because that's just what I think will happen. I don't know if it will happen this year. Although the, the the push seems to be happening more. Um, that's the one thing that gives, does give me hope is there, there is there is this more this thing that you know Hawthorne where their their heritage Guernsey, um, Sydney have one, Brisbane have one. There's more and more of this happening a little bit. Um, even Frio wore one last year with the anchor and the green last year. So there is a bit more of it happening again and. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens because uh, this one's the most high-profile case and the AFL's got to know it's going to be good for it. You know, Port Adelaide running out in the prison bars and the AFL is going to be a good thing for the AFL and the AFL's got to know. I think they're just, they're just waiting for the Eddie Maguire influence to go away enough, I think, and just and just that's that, that part of it to die down. So it'll be interesting to uh, watch over the next uh, couple of weeks as to the 
to the point when we need to make a decision for this year. Um, round 23 as well, and maybe both teams will be. I mean, the Crows are more or less out of finals contention, and maybe we will be as well. And it might be the thing to make that game just the biggest game of the round by just throwing Port Adelaide in the prison bars for it. So there you go, AFL. Just a little commercial carrot for you too if you want to put them, get the TV really pumping. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever it takes, we just, just give us the prison bars for the showdowns and, and be done with it. All right, we'll take a quick break here and I'll just do 10 minutes on um, what I think might happen tomorrow and then uh, peace out because I'm knackered. Um, the open house stuff has absolutely knackered me, so I'll be done soon. Um, but really excited for this game, so let's have a quick look at what's going to happen against Frio. All righty, so the mighty, mighty Purple Haze is what we're going into face tomorrow at Optus Stadium, a place we haven't won against Frio. I haven't won against Frio over in WA since that great 2014 um, elimination final, um, which is just one of my favorite. I've got that game on DVD and I've watched it a few times since. It's just what a game that was. Something that, like, just a side note for a second, sidebar. Um, I love, it's something I'm learning to appreciate more as a fan as I get older, is just appreciate the individual games. Like, I know sports as a whole is, it's all about trophies and winning, you know, titles and your legacies are built on that. And that's what, that's the frustrating part is that that's what when you get into, you know, you know banter with mates that are fans of other teams, that's all you can have. But as a fan, just appreciate those games. And that's one of the great ones. Have it on DVD, watch it, you know, it's fucking good. It's such a good game of footy and, that brand of footy we played in 2014 was just fucking fun, and I love that game. I've got that one, you know, that game, the Richmond game from the week before, um, and even that, that Hawthorne loss, that tragic, that heartbreaking prelim final loss. We we're just playing some, man. That 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 we could have been very easily been premiers at the year. It just it shit. It just breaks my heart. Anyway, um, really getting sidetracked there. But yes, we haven't beaten Frio over in um, WA since then. I think we've only beaten them probably once before once or twice before that anyway. Um, certainly haven't beaten them at Optus Stadium. Beaten West Coast at Optus Stadium, but not Frio. Um, so uh, it's a big game in that sense. Um, obviously, I was just talking earlier about the Suns wanting to get off get off the market at Late Oval, although we have we at least have tasted victory at Optus Stadium, so it's not quite the same. But, you know, against the Frio team that's playing some damn good footy this year, a um, little bit up and down. Um, yeah, they, they're kind of, you know, they, they got, um, you know, knocked off last week. Um, against Carlton in a game that, um, you know, was really kind of two teams that are up and coming and wanting to test themselves and, and kind of make a make a, make a a point. Um, you know, Carlton really did a number on last week, so, and won relatively comfortably. But, you know, a few weeks before that, we had a couple of weeks in a row where, Mel, you know, Frio just absolutely demolished Melbourne. Um, they got a, got a good win against um, against Brisbane as well, and they just had a couple of weeks in a row there where they were doing really well. But then they've lost games to they dropped games to Gold Coast, they dropped games to Collingwood. Um, had a pretty tight one with Hawthorne, which Hawthorne this year can be real Jekyll and Hyde and how the team they are. So you know that that win against Geelong down at Cadinia Park was um, really impressive as well. So they've just had some good wins and some had some had some disappointing and some losses that you kind of weren't expecting at times as well. So. A season, um, an interesting season in that sense. Um, but a good team. My my thing is, uh, as we look at their team, um, let me just get it up here. Um, look at what they've... You know, Nat Fife is just... An, he's a champion of the game, um, an incredible player. But um, I wonder about if he's... What he's done to their structure and if he's... You know, because he's... 
just the team that they were like this this thing watching him earlier this year is like how does Nat Five come back into the team? Now obviously you bring Nat Five back in. He's still probably building up to he's he's probably gonna have a pretty good end of the season if he if he can get consistent, doesn't get injured again, then he'll he'll probably he'll play a part. But it's just it just makes me wonder Especially with Andrew Brayshaw having like a possible, you could win the Brownlow this year. He's been playing that good at times. Um, you know, he's kind of taken up that role as the main ball winner. And then you've had like guys like Will Brody's been such a great recruit for them, uh, coming in from the Gold Coast. Um, he's he's been a revelation as well. Um, and you you get guys like this that are playing and getting so much of the ball, and then and then that five comes back in and just just adjusts the structure a little bit, and you know touches are going a little bit differently setting up around the stoppage and all that a little bit differently and just around the ball, like around the field. It's just that kind of stuff is can just adjust you. And it's not like it's a – you don't subtract anything but to put in that five into a team. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's just whether that is just – it's just taking a bit of adjustment and taking the edge just, – just a little bit of the edge off because – they got such a talented squad there. You know, when you got guys like Brayshaw and Mundy and then, you know, Will Brody coming in, Caleb Sarong, all those guys playing well. It's actually, you know, and then that Fife comes in. He's playing, you know, he's more or less playing just a you know forward line role anyway and not, but he can get in and around the ball. But, you know, it's just still touches, you know, the kind of game styles and stuff like that. So it's it's an interesting, it'll be an interesting match to kind of take that into, that into account. Because even last year, you know, um, you know, that game against Adelaide Oval, like when we, I think we were up by 40 points at one point and they got right back to maybe 15 points and then we ended up winning relatively comfortably again after that. But, um, you know, they're a team that are, they've been playing some really good footy this year though. So um, they've got Michael Walters coming back in this week alongside Nathan Wilson. So, they're you know, they're, they're, they're a pretty strong side that we're going to be taking going up against at Optus tomorrow afternoon. Um, so really um, something that, you know, we're going to have to bring our best best on the day, um, basically. There's not no no other way about it. Um, but we go in, um, and this is really exciting. Um, we're going in with a, a Burgoyne and a Mead in our side. Um, so, you know, not since you – know, it's been 20 years since we could probably say that. I can't remember exactly when Darren retired, but I think he was he was he probably had a few – a couple of years. You know, we won our best of Ferris in our inaugural year in the AFL. Um, but yeah, Jace Burgoyne is making his debut. Really cool. Um, you know, check out the Port Adelaide socials and see his uncle Sean, um, who's obviously working at the club now after his stellar career, um, giving him the news and um, and then there's some video of him ringing up his old man Peter, obviously, and um, giving him the news as well. Um, so yeah, Jace Burgoyne in the side alongside. Um, he's coming in alongside Burn uh, Burn Jones. He's back from health and safety protocols, I believe, is what he was at with, and then Robbie Gray's back. Um, after some injury management, I guess is what you have, the best way to put it. Um, Riley Bonner out, obviously that cheek injury. Which Bonner, I think we lose a lot of run and um, look, he can butcher a ball occasionally. We all know that, but he gathers so much of it. He's having, a, I think he's having a great year, Riley Bonner, and I'm I'm gonna I just it's just I I'm gonna die on that hill because yeah, Riley Bonner last week I think you know he butchered one and just everyone on Twitter goes oh fuck it, for fuck's sake Bonner. I think we're just so conditioned to shitting on Riley Bonner whenever he butchers a ball. But, you know, uh, Ollie Wines operates at a pretty low percentage by foot as well at times. You know, it's just it's because of what he does and what who he is and his reputation. We don't, you know, Ollie, you know, if Ollie butchers a ball, one ball, two balls, three, we're not going to get too worried unless it be he's having a really bad game all around. Whereas Riley Bonner can be having a pretty good game, butcher one. And he, 
the thing Riley Bond does is he, when he butchers a ball, he butchers it really well. So he does a good job of it. I get that, but um, I, I think he's a big miss um, being out of the side with his his cheekbone injury. So, uh, so hopefully he's back uh, soon. Obviously, thankfully, being a cheekbone, it's more or less just a it's just got to heal and be strength strong enough to be able to play a game of footy. It's luckily not anything to do with. You know, you're not worrying about re- you're rehabbing a knee or a hamstring or, you know, whatever. Um, it's one of those injuries that's just more or less just get the face right. And then, yeah, um, thankfully, his, his fitness, I assume he's still training, doing what he can as far as just non-contact. So um, so he's out. Uh, Marty uh, Frederick's out as well. So no no battle of the Fredericks, um, unfortunately, tomorrow. Um, and Stephen Motlop out as well. Again, he's just not doing enough at the moment. Um, I think what Motlop, uh, you know, I, I, talking about Motlop, He's his role is just being eaten up by the likes of um, Lockie Jones putting because Motlop's big thing was his pressure and his his off you know he his off ball stats he wasn't getting sometimes he wouldn't get a lot of ball but it would be like forward pressure moments tackles all that kind of stuff that half forward kind of pressure and locking the ball in he was that's where he was strengthened and why he kept his place in the side and a lot of people didn't see that and again it's a question you can it depends on your opinion about what he's doing but I, I could see there was some stats earlier in the year about what he was doing as far as. Uh, forward pressure and stuff like that, and um, I, I like, I, I still wouldn't wonder if how solid his spot was, and I guess we've found out later this year is he has been dropped a couple of times in the last few weeks, um, and again he's just I think that's the thing is like we're starting to see a lot of the guys like Lockie Jones had a really big impact in kind of some of that pressure and and ball use and stuff, and then you you just guys like Rosie and Butters and Co when they're playing are just putting at the forward line is starting to evolve past the need for Motlop in there and just at his age and it's just it just might just be where it is, where it's at for him now so he's obviously when he goes down to the SNFL he gathers you know 25 30 disposal and is too good to be down there but then then he comes up to the AFL and he plays a different role and it's just he's not quite getting he, the game is going past him um he just not it's just not going through him so that's just part of what it is with Motlop at the moment and um probably what it, it may just be the way it is now so um, but otherwise, going in, we're pretty good. The, the, the big question will be, um, is the battle in the ruck again? We're going to be ruck by committee with Finlayson probably starting in the ruck and then the likes of Dixon and Co. where the power paper has, plays a bit of a role again um, as well as whoever else can <laughs> jump into the ruck, basically. Um, so they're going to be rucking by committee against Darcy, which again is a big test. We might see a similar case to last week when... You know, big ruckman like Wits kind of you know had his had his way with us a little bit at times, but what it'll be is again gathering the ball um, and evening it up at the stoppage and 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 just when the ball comes to ground and all that kind of stuff and reading reading the opposition ruckman as well, kind of being on the move um, and 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 kind of winning the stop you know kind of trying to even up the clearance battle even if you're losing the hit outs a little bit. So that'll be an interesting battle um, there. Um, otherwise, it'll just be a matter of um, breaking down you know. Breaking down what they, you know, defensively, I'm pretty happy with where we're at defensively. Again, I just think we're. Um, I'm surprised that Cleary. I don't know if it was Cleary was injured still, or um, I haven't actually looked. At, I just haven't had time to look at what was going on with Cleary, um, McKenzie, and again, I, like McKenzie's a great defender, and he just the Cleary's just so underrated as well. And I think he's he's who you'd have in if you could, uh, just with what the kind of form Cleary was in, and just his his his. You know he's such a high high level user of the ball coming out of defense as well, um, but Mackenzie will um, he'll have a battle on his hands um, as well as the the kind of defense in general um, battling against the you know kind of the, you know that five up there Rory Lobb and as well as just the um, the the 
Michael Walters types and stuff running around up at the high, the half forward line. Um, they're pretty talented. They kind of got some speedy movers and a, a mixture of that um, down there. So that'll be an interesting battle. But um, I've we've just got to kind of again. It's just it's um, I've liked what we're doing. We just we've got to not fall into the battle of if we're if the game's going against us a bit, trying to push the ball and and lose our structure and going inside forward fifty because. Lately, we've been actually, you know, pretty even on the forward fifty entries with um, the opposition. But we're doing our forward fifty um, disposal efficiency has been pretty good, and our forward fifty efficiency has been pretty good. Um, and that's really where the game's won and lost for us is getting the ball, um, you know, eyes down, picking targets, getting the ball, you know, getting Marshall to get five or six marks and, and his shots and goal, um, and the likes of Rosie as well, and and um, running. You know, getting a run through midfield and, and getting the pace through midfield and breaking the lines and the kind of the defensive chain goals as well. Um, so, look, I'm not... I don't know I don't know if I'm confident or not for tomorrow. This is a weird, uh, weird... I think we can cause an upset and it's been around for teams getting close to causing upsets. Um I, uh, I've got good... I've got just a strangely... A lot more confident... Like when I looked at Freo on the schedule, probably three or four weeks ago, I just remember looking at the next few games, probably around during our bye week, actually. I just remember looking at who, who we had coming up after the bye. And I thought, oh, Freo, you know, we, I think we, what, we've gone Richmond, Sydney, um, Richmond, Sydney, Gold Coast, Freo. And I remember looking at that going, fuck, we may only get one or two wins out of that. We've got two wins already. Um, and we, Richmond, we could have easily won that one as well. Again, we just, we just, just not finding the ways to win some of those ones, but we we found a way to win last week. Free, I'm a lot more confident than I was probably four weeks ago. I just think that Richmond game was good signs. We got a bit screwed there, and we almost won it still. Um, but again, we just we just let it go at the crucial times, and it was disposals efficiency at crucial times. We just lost our way at crucial times in the game, and couldn't quite make use of some forward forays where we just didn't have the structure right. And for the last few weeks, we've kind of fix that up a little bit again but again it's just opposition it's not so much that we find games it's just we actually sometimes just um, need to have a bit more poise when the game's going against us against and free one of those higher opposition higher level oppositions that we're going to be coming up, up against and we're on their deck and um, they're pretty fierce uh, atmosphere over there as well um, so there's a lot to battle against over there but I just think this team the form a lot of these guys are in. You got Lockie Jones coming off a rising star nomination kind of performance. Um, Kane Farrell, uh, despite that 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 uh, that um, review last week, just again, just a beautiful example of um, the most purest kick in the game. I think um, the way he can line up from fifty and the ball drop and the deliver in the arc and everything that he does and his action just is beautiful. So, you know, just when you look at the, the runners we've got and the, and the guys we've got in form, it's just um, it really um, it's just going to come down. I think it'll come down to probably the ball use, getting the ball out of the middle and the stoppage and basically negating the influence of Sean Darcy in the ruck and making sure we're getting control of the ball in the middle again. And again, that's just going to come down to the luck of whether we can give Darcy a battle, and then if we if we are losing that battle, if we're still we're able to negate his influence and read the ball, it's just gonna be it's gonna be a battle from the middle, and that's probably where I think we may just drop. Um, it might just be that we lose by fifteen, and not I'm not trying to say I think we will, but 
Um, I'm going to probably just, if I put my prediction on the table, I'm going to say we're going to win by 11 points. But where we might lose a close game is when we just, those crucial times in the game where we just, um, you know, lose that battle in the middle. So that's where it's going to be an interesting game to watch. And, uh, yeah, I'm just hopeful that, um, you know, I've said at the start of this podcast and I'll finish it off again, finish it off this way. It's... um, it's, every game's a final and, and that, that brings with it its own unique kind of energy and vibes. <laughs> Just vibes. Um, that's what that's what's going to make it an interesting game in that sense. Is just it's a, We are at the desperation kind of point. So it's not like we're kind of battling away and if we drop it, oh, well, we're, we're still in... We, we, we are, uh, we're, um, you know, very, very, very close to the last chance saloon. And, one, you know, next game we drop is kind of going to drop us back. Even if we're mathematically in it, you, you start thinking, oh, it's almost done. So that gives it an extra little bit of spice for us. And then certainly uh, Frio in that kind of tussle with a lot of teams that are in that, um, you know, second through six range or whatever it is at the moment. I haven't had a close look at where they are on the table. I know a few weeks ago when I was looking at the table, it's just there's so much bunching there with teams dropping games here and there when they shouldn't and um, Frio certainly one of those teams at, at times as well so yeah I'm gonna just going to put put it on the table and say well, we're going to win by 11 points I don't like the fact that I'm picking a close game but I just think it hopefully hopefully will be a close game we can just find our way out on top of the end um, big congrats to Alir Alir um, playing his 100th game tomorrow as well uh, 64 for Sydney and uh, he's at 34 for us so it's his 36 game Port Adelaide Colors tomorrow and uh, long may he continue in Port Adelaide Colors. He's been a revelation. Uh, such a fun player, such a um, just a great guy to have at the club. And um, long may his career continue at Port Adelaide. So congrats to Lear on the hundredth, and um, let's get a W for it. Um, that would be fucking good. All right, that's about it. I'm knackered. I'm going to go to bed and um, dream of Port wins and hopefully some good offers on my house. <laughs> uh, Can the pair? Cheers. <laughs>